0: Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Week one, we were in John chapter 14 through 16, looking at the last hours of Jesus' ministry, Jesus' life on earth, and we and we realized, uh, in in one scripture particularly, if I was going to recap week one, it would be uh, the Holy the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit convicts us of three things: sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so, in that, we see that we tend to take that pretty hard. But the reality is, He can He convicts us that we need a Savior, that we're in right standing with God, and that that the enemy, the devil, has no power over us anymore. That Satan has no more authority over you. And in week two, we understand because He is a person, He is the person, the third person of the Trinity, that we can think like God thinks, that we can desire like God desires, and we can feel how God feels. You just have those four points on the bottom of the screen right now. That's, That's the first two weeks recapped right there. Today, holy part three, holy being how to live every day, we kind of made an acronym off of that. We're answering the question, who does the Holy Spirit make us to be? And because... So then, because I believe the Holy Spirit, or I believe in the Holy Spirit, what does that make me, or who Who does that make me? And the short answer is it makes you holy. You can find it in Philippians 1.10, it says, So that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best and distinguishing moral differences, and that you may be pure, holy, and blameless until the day of Christ actually living lives that lead others away from sin. This is the amplified version. I just want to say Philippians 1.10 is really echoing the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. How do we do that? We live lives that lead others away from sin. And so what does it take to do that? It takes a relationship. It's going to take a relationship and understanding. It's going to take a belief in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right? Right? And so then remember, it's easy to see God the Father as a person. We, we can grab that. And it's easy to see Jesus the Son as a person, especially when we understand what He did, how God sent Him, and what He did for us. And so then we must see the Holy Spirit as a person. We named Him Charlie last week. If you missed that, you need to, you need to catch the last two weeks' messages for sure if you've missed those. Because we must we must see the Holy Spirit as a person because if you don't see Him as a person, you will never establish a personal relationship with Him. And without a personal relationship with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it makes it hard to walk in the promises of God. And what we need to grab a hold of is this is the greatest power on the face of the planet, in the world, and it resides in each of us if we know Jesus. And so then who is the Holy Spirit? You're brand new today. You're like, no clue. By the way, if you're new today, thanks. Thanks for checking us out. Who's the Holy Spirit? Here are the things that the Holy Spirit's been called, said, identified, or said to be the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Truth, Counselor, the Author of Scripture, the Power of God, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was like this, was this time, this is Scripture. And depending on what bio, what version of the Bible you read, that's, that's that might be who you know Him as, the Holy Ghost. Comforter, Teacher, Witness, Advocate, Guide, Revealer of Truth, Standby, Spirit of Sonship. I love the Spirit of Sonship. What's it say? that you and me have that spirit of being one with the Father, right? And so now that we know that's, if you've heard any of those, thats those are all relating to or depicting, whatever you want to call it, the Holy Spirit. And so now that we've identified that, where we were, where we are, and, and where we're going, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to gather this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that regardless of how you find us this morning, we're alive, that we can hear, we have eyes to see. Lord, ears to hear, hearts to receive. I ask you to open our hearts this morning, open our hands, help us to understand who you are, who, not just who you are, who who your son is, but who the Holy Spirit is this morning and who he calls us to be, who he's made us to be. I love you and I thank you for this time. Bless every second. Help us to be leaned in and engaged in Jesus name. Amen. So if you have a Bible or a highlighter, make sure you get ready. I've got some stuff underlined today in our notes, so that's going to help you out a little bit and then if you're a note taker you want to have some extra so you can go back this week and study we encourage that we believe if you don't take notes you're going to forget nearly 90 percent of what's said today and so we're starting in acts chapter two acts chapter two today now this is the day of pentecost okay and so then a lot of people think that pentecost means the holy spirit only resides in pentecostal believing people or the pentecostal denomination (laughs) And what you see next Sunday, next Sunday is the mark of the day of Pentecost. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But next Sunday is essentially 50 days after Easter. So what Pentecost is. And so here's what it says in verse 1 and 2. Acts 2, 1 and 2, this is the Amplified. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing, violent wind, and it filled the whole house. If you want to underline anything, whole house, where they were sitting. <clears throat> now, depending on... What generation uh, you are, whether young or old, or what you've heard, or how you've seen people act, right? How you grew up, what denomination you were, what denomination you are, depends a lot on the seriousness of how you take the Holy Spirit and your take on who He is. Now, which means there's this misunderstanding of who He makes us to be. And a lot of people think that to have the Holy spirit, to receive the Holy spirit, to live in the Holy spirit, to live in the spirit of God means we have to be Pentecostal because it happened on the day of Pentecost. And that's false. There's no denomination tied to the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Okay. He is God. So then to believe in God is to believe the Holy spirit, to believe in Jesus is to believe the Holy spirit. They all defer to each other is what we've talked about. And so we don't believe in parts of the Bible right this is either all this is either all truth or no truth just because acts 2 1 through 2 might freak you out doesn't mean you just skip right over it right this is the truth it's the universal unchanging truth that applies to the human race and so this is true for all of us and it's the whole thing the whole truth <laughs> and nothing but the truth and so then we can't just take the things in the bible that sound good to us i think that's a lot of people and how faith works today is we want our jesus to do X, Y, and Z, but man, we really could care less about A, C, and F, right? It's like Cal in Talladega Nights. If you've seen this movie, probably shouldn't recommend that. But Cal says, I like my Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says I'm formal, but I'm here to party. And I think that's how all of us like our Jesus because we can keep him at an arm's length, right? Right? And, and what's funny is there are some times in life where we believe that we have the answer, right? Whether that be God revealing it to us or us not needing God and us putting ourselves in the place of God to say, hey God, you know what? If, God, if you would just do this and this, everything would work out. So why don't you just do this and this? Because we think we know better. And the reality is, is this is the guide. This is the guide. And we talked about this last week in depth. About the specific will of God and the general will of God, and so you need to you need to make sure you get that message, and so then you have to believe in God, the Trinity in its entirety. You believe in the Bible and uh, its its word from Genesis to Revelation in its entirety in its entirety, because there's no way that we can walk in the fullness of God or who God's called us to be without having His Spirit in us, and there's no way that you have the authority on earth that God wants you to have without personally having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not possible for you to walk in truth without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired this book. God inspired the Holy Spirit, used men to make it happen. This is why we find ink on paper. So there's no way that anything is revealed to us without the Holy Spirit. In scripture, we talked in week one that, that it's the Holy Spirit who reveals to you that you need a savior. He convicts you that you are a sinner, that we've all, fell short Romans 3 23. So then the only way we realize we need to pray the prayers because the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Right? So then because we say all of these things and we talk about having the Holy Spirit, does that mean that we're all Pentecostal? All of nobody who's sitting next to me. No, no, it doesn't. Does that mean that you're Eastern Orthodox or you're Roman Catholic or that you're Protestant because you believe the Holy Spirit? No, it doesn't. no, It makes you a believer in God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it makes you. And so it it makes you a believer uh, in the Word that was inspired by God through men with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what it makes you. So then what about Pentecost? What about denomination? Who are we? Like what's Redefined Church? Who are we? We're a non-denominational church, meaning that we focus on the essentials of faith We focus on the essentials of faith, which are the core beliefs that every Christian group would agree on. Every Christian group, they're those core things. And so they're found in the Bible, which is the unchanging universal truth of God that that pertains to the whole human race. And what you need to understand about the essentials are the essentials are what we rally around as churches, and they are centered on Jesus. They're centered on Jesus being our Savior. In our next series, not sure when it's going to start, we'll talk about the essentials. That'll be what's next coming in June. And so, so what am I saying with being a non-denominational church that focuses on the essentials? We believe in relationships, which is Matthew 22, 37, 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We believe in discipleship, which is the great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we believe in community, which is Acts two forty two 42 47. It's the first church. We're devoted to scripture. We believe in gathering. We're like family. We're like family. We're like-minded believers. And so the graphic is here. This is everywhere. Um, we believe all of this starts with discipleship. It starts with that first acceptance of Jesus Christ as our personal Lord, as our Savior, understanding that God sent his son for us. And so this is this is kind of the this is the starting line. Discipleship is a starting line. Following Jesus is not a one-time thing, it's an everyday thing. We make this decision every morning when we wake up. And so when you look at the Great Commission, understand that it starts with that. What's it say? This is the amplified version. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Help them to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. Money. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Help them to learn, believe, and obey. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So then, we believe in the baptism of the Father, which is salvation. It's a free gift for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. We're saved by grace. We believe in the baptism of the Son, which is water baptism. Water baptism, this is a public display of your faith. This is where you are affirmed in your faith. You understand what you believe through your salvation, through taking steps to become a follower of Jesus. This is where the old you goes underneath the water and the new you comes out. You're born again, raised to a new life in Christ. Now, listen, just because we believe in water baptism doesn't mean we have the word Baptist on our church. doesn't mean that you're a Baptist denomination either because you believe in water baptism, right? And so then we believe in the third, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is spirit baptism. This is where we receive our helper, our advocate, all the things I use to describe who the Holy Spirit is. This is where we receive that so we can walk in the fullness and the authority of who God's called us to be as what righteous believers, as righteous believers. But just because we believe in spirit baptism does not mean we're Pentecostal. doesn't, we didn't, we didn't stamp it on there either, Right. Because if you believe in this, you're really every denomination and the denominations who've separated themselves are really kind of just taking bits and pieces or parts. And, and it's not that it's good or bad, but you can go into churches right now and not hear the gospel. And so the gospel is what we build our life on. It's where we find our hope. And so to go and not hear the gospel is where we miss it. And then we're going to talk about a lot of that in the, in the next series essentials. So do not, do not miss that. Okay. All right. So then your belief makes you a believer. Your belief makes you a believer, not a Baptist, not a Pentecostal, not Eastern Orthodox, not Protestant. Your belief makes you a believer. Being a believer makes you part of the body of believers, not part of a denomination. It's not about separation. It's not about separation. It's about being a part of the body. And so we've identified that the Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. And just because you believe in Him doesn't make you a denomination. It doesn't make you Pentecostal. Well, even though it happens on the day of Pentecost, that's a huge relief for some of us because like, man, I thought I was going to have to make the switch. You know? And makeup and all those things. And can't do that. And huge relief. And so then, no. Your belief makes you a believer. Being a believer makes you part of the body. Okay? And so then, well... But what about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? Uh, because we ask that because He comes at the day of Pentecost, and so we believe that some somehow strangely we put these two together and said, "Well, that must be," and that's why we have this disconnect. We're like, "Well, I can't believe that because I'm not that denomination." You know, your belief makes you believer. Okay, it doesn't make you any part of the makes You're part of the body, and so then. If we ask if the if the Holy Spirit is Pentecost, what we're really asking is this. If by asking that, do we mean that uh, Pentecostal, meaning the biblical definition of Pentecost, what is the biblical? We have to go here for the biblical definition of that. And so then, and in that, are we saying that we believe fully in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit? And then do we believe that Pentecost is the fulfillment of, of the feast of Pentecost, and I could have talked a lot about uh, about that. We we're not covering it today. And then, do we believe that every believer needs a relationship, a real relationship with the Holy Spirit? And if the answer to all those questions is yes, then yes, the the, the Holy Spirit is Pentecostal. But we can't stop there. We need to go deeper into Acts. And 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 dig on this because the truth is found here. The truth is found here. And so we we'll look further here. We're gonna ask and answer a few questions today. So if you're note taker, here's question one: What is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Because what's been said to me, what I've been told, what I've found on the World Wide Web is blank. And so the biblical definition of Pentecost is this. You find in Acts 2:1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover. Uniquely, next Sunday, May 23rd, is 50 days after Passover. It's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Next Sunday, May 23rd, marks that. Really super excited about next Sunday. Okay? And so, 50 days after Passover. So, what is the Pentecost feast? The Pentecost feast is celebrating the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. We're celebrating the fulfillment of the law when we celebrate Pentecost. That feast is, is celebrating when Moses went up. It's written on tablets. He heard from God, cloud fire. We'll go to that a little bit. Okay, so that's what Pentecost is representing. That's what the feast represents. At the end of that feast is when you see Acts 2 come in. The Pentecost had come. All were gathered in one place, Right. And so practically, when you look at the word penta, penta means five, pentagon, penta, period, five sides, right? Penta and cost means to the 10th power. So then five to the 10th power is 50. And so then Pentecost means 50. It means 50. And so when the day of Pentecost had come means the 50th day arrived. The fiftieth day arrived. Now, are you going to identify as the fiftieth? No, no. Pentecost means 50. That's all it's ever meant. (laughs) That's all it's ever meant. And that's not creepy. And so if, if if that creeps you out, you're like "Ah, little hazy rushing wind and 50 together equal division one, creepy. I'm out. You can't do that. You can't do that. Okay. Because you can't believe in all this and not believe in this, right? And so then, don't be stressing on the word Pentecost anymore. So now that you know that Pentecost is 50, we understand that God sent His, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we understand. That's what we know. That's what we believe. That's what happened in Acts 2, 1. So then, question two. What happened at Pentecost? What happened at Pentecost? If you're taking notes, here's what you see. And underline filled the whole house, okay? And suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing violent wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. We're gonna come back to verse three and four in just a second. Let's continue to verse five, okay? Filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout and God-fearing men from every nation. Underline every nation, every nation under heaven. That means the whole world. Okay, every nation under heaven. Verse 6, And when this sound was heard, a crowd gathered, and they were bewildered. Mm, It's kind of a big word. Thanks a lot, Amplified. What's that mean? Perplexed. Okay, they were puzzled. And almost every version says they were confused. They were confused. But really bewildered is a better example. They were perplexed. Hmm, confused tends to play to that. But our meaning of confused today really kind of messes it up, right? So they were bewildered because each one was hearing those in the upper room speaking in their own language or dialect, they could understand. They could understand. Note three things here in these three verses. People from every nation. People from every nation gathered. Every nation. Every tribe. Every tongue. People from every nation were present. They were confused. Confused is kind of the key word because it plays out in every, almost every version of the Bible depending on, depending on what you're reading today. They were confused. Confused. And they hear and understand their own language. They, they, it comes back that they can finally understand what's being said. They hear their own language. And I can't help but think about the similarity this has between uh, Pentecost and the Tower of Babel. You go to Genesis 11 and you look and you see what happens at the Tower of Babel. You understand at this time in Genesis 11, the whole earth speaks the same language. There is so much unity We're like, we can look at each other and know what's going on because that's how tight we are, okay? And so the whole earth speaks one language. Let's pick up in Genesis 11, and we're going to go four through nine. They said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens and let us make a famous name for ourselves. one to be God, okay? That's reality. No, no, no. Now that we've got this figured out, let's do it. And God says they could have, they could have. And so that we will not be scattered, so then, so we can be famous for ourselves, right? So that we will not be scattered into separate groups and dispersed over the surface of the earth, as the Lord instructed. That sounds like direct disobedience to me, right? No, no, no. I know the Lord told us to go, but but no no no. Let's let's all stay here, let's go up so we don't have to be dispersed. Okay, so we can do the opposite of what he asked us to do. Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower in which the sons of men. Had built, and the Lord said, "Behold, they are one, unified, unified man. Same thing. Jesus prayed before he left that we would be one, unified, unified people, that they all have the same language. This, he says, is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me. And now, no evil thing they imagine can <laughs> imagine they can do will be impossible. Why?" They're together. They're unified. They speak the same language. It won't be impossible. And so come then. Come, let us. Let us who? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Go down there and confuse and mix up their language so they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord did what He asked them to do. And that tends to happen in our life. We're either going to obey God or He's going to make sure we get to where we need to be. So the Lord scattered them abroad. From there over the surface of the entire earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore the name of the city was Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the entire earth, and from that place the Lord scattered and dispersed them all around the surface of the earth. And so let's look at the difference between Babel in Genesis eleven and Pentecost in Acts chapter two. At Babel they spoke one language. At Babel there was there was unity, there was one language, but they were gathered in rebellion. It was direct disobedience. We need to do this because we don't want to scatter like God said. At Pentecost, everyone, every nation was gathered in submission to the will of God. At the Tower of Babel, they were gathered in pride. Let us be famous. Famous. Pride. At Pentecost, everyone was gathered in humility, willing to receive, open-handed. At the Tower of Babel, they had one language. God came down and confused their language, so they didn't understand what the heck was going on. And they scattered to every nation. At Pentecost, okay, every nation came back together. This is big stuff. God came down and restored their language. And they heard the wonderful works of God. And so what you see in this in the difference here is Pentecost, Acts 2, is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. We get it back. We all hear, we all understand. Oh, I know what we're saying again. Like, I can understand. Pentecost is a blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. So then what you what am I saying? Every tribe, every tongue. Every nation, good, unified, right there. If you want to know what heaven's going to be like, it's going to look like that. It happened there. It happened in the upper room. It happened at Pentecost. Every nation, when you see every nation, the Greek word nation is ethnos. Ethnos meaning ethnic group. Every ethnic group will be represented. will be praising God in heaven. It started at Pentecost. It started at Pentecost. And so when the Holy Spirit came, it was fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost. It fulfilled the whole thing, which fulfills the law. <clears throat> the law. We all know the law. We go to Exodus with Moses on this, right? So let's look at what happened with Moses in Exodus. This is the giving of the law. This is the 10 commandments. So we want to look at the difference or the similarities rather in the 10 commandments and Pentecost. What do we see? This is, the law next to pentecost understanding that that the feast of pentecost was in celebration of the law remember pentecost fulfills the law it fulfills the law and so then here's what we see in exodus with Moses the law when the law was given there was a loud noise interruption right <laughs> the cloud descended there was fire God wrote his law on tablets of stone. And on that day when the law was given, 3,000 people died. That's where 3,000 people died is found in Exodus 32, 28. If you want to screenshot that, you can. It's huge. Have you ever wondered, let's pause for just a second. Have you ever wondered why we do not have a, an issue believing any of this? Law was given, loud noise, we heard it. Okay cloud descended. There was fire. We saw it. Okay. Tablets of stone, physically hold it. We could physically hold these. We believe they physically exist. Now on that day, 3000 died tragedy. Fear immediately comes in. Dang what I do wrong. Right? We don't have a hard time believing any of that. We're just like, dang, that's intense. That's intense. that's intense, but I'm good with it. Makes sense. I got you, Lord. Good. But that didn't happen to us. That wasn't meant for us. And we weren't there. We weren't there. It's crazy that because we weren't, we can just assume and believe. Yep. Now let's look at Pentecost. I had those five things, right? And so on the day of Pentecost, there was a loud noise. Every nation heard it. Every nation heard it. There was fire. The cloud descended, which is the Holy Spirit, right? You remember in this time that they were led by a cloud by day and fire by night, right? God wrote his law on the hearts of men and 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were saved. Now, Acts 2, this portion of scripture, this has been in the book just as long as Exodus, just as long as the law and Moses have. Pentecost comes and fulfills all of this. It brings it all full circle. And so a lot of us struggle with this, though. It's like, ah, Pentecost, loud noise, rushing wind, wind and fire creeping me out. Okay, not sure, just not sure. And wrote his law in the hearts of men. How how does that physically happen? It doesn't. It doesn't physically happen. God does it. We will never understand his ways. His ways are higher. His ways. We can't comprehend. It's faith. It takes faith. It takes the same faith to believe this that it does to believe what happened in Exodus. It's the same faith. We can't ask, we can't ask how. How's not our responsibility? How is always God's responsibility? And so then the reality is we've misinterpreted the Holy Spirit. And that's what's creeped us out. It's like, oh. And so what we're talking about today, what I just referenced with, with Babel and the law and Pentecost is in the Bible. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. It's amazing how God has taken it and is using all of it for our benefit today. It all works together for our good today, today. And so then why is the, why is Pentecost then the fulfillment of the law? Why is that feast, Acts 2, one. when the Holy Spirit comes, why is that fulfillment? It's fulfillment because when, when God gave the law to Moses, he knew that we couldn't keep it. If you look at what was happening at the top of the hill when Moses was getting along, what was happening at the bottom of the hill, this wasn't being kept here. And so it was having to be brought down. But men and women have the power of choice. God's given you that because he doesn't want you to be a bunch of robots. And so we have the power of choice. And the reality is, is it wasn't going to work. It was there for us, but God knew, God knew. And we still struggle with the law today. We struggle with it. Most Christians, most believers lean back heavily on the law. And we look at the 10 commandments and really what we built our church on is one, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbors, yourself. You do these two things. Everything will take care of itself. That's it. That's it. But we say, nah, can't be that easy. Why do, wh- where do we stink at all these other eight? Where do we stink at these? Man, I'm not here to point or lay blame or tell you how bad you are at these other eight. I'm only here to inspire you through the word of God to live out the first two. Love God. Love people. Do that. So the majority of Christians focus on the law, knowing, knowing they can't keep it. <sighs> so it becomes work and hard, and heavy, and tiresome, to where 80% of this city has walked away from church, because we're focusing on the wrong thing. The law, the law, the law, the law. Just say it. It's heavy, right? Now, when the Holy Spirit comes, He writes God's righteous standard on your heart. He doesn't write it on a tablet for you to see, to hang up on your wall, so you can say, yeah, I know I should be doing (laughs) the release. No, He doesn't. He writes it He writes it on your heart. You can't see it, but you can trust it. You can trust it. Think of it like this Jesus came to restore our relationship with God, which makes us in right standing with God. Okay? Without Jesus, we're disconnected, we're alone, we're sinful everybody, even me, but because Jesus came, you're righteous because Jesus came. You have the, you have the opportunity to be righteous. You have to pray prayer. You have to receive, accept what God did for you, receive his son, Jesus. When you do that, it says you're righteous. That's the second thing the Holy spirit comes to convict us of that. You are righteous. Not all the ways you're blowing it that, Hey, remember, remember, God sent his son to die for you. You have his spirit. You have him inside of you. You are righteous. Walk like it. Don't act like it. Walk like it. Let your words and your actions match your walk. So if you have Jesus, you're righteous. So then we see that Jesus came to restore our relationship to make us in right standing, to make us righteous. The Holy Spirit comes so we can live righteously. The Holy Spirit comes so we can live righteously. He came to empower you to walk in the fullness and the authority of God. That's why he came. Because nobody in their right mind, who care how awesome you are, what your IQ is, how great you are, nobody in their right mind can live fully in the world we live in today with the evil, with the lying, With the corruption, it's fallen, it's sinful, it's demonic. It's a lot of trash. A lot of trash. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Question three. Here we go. So then I get that. Can I experience Pentecost? Does that mean you put your name on a roll? (laughs) Send in your W-2. Make sure you find yourself on the deal. No, that's not what we're saying. Can you experience the Holy Spirit? Can you experience the Holy Spirit? Here's why we ask that. Well, we live today, but Pentecost happened 2,000 years ago. And, and the the reality is, is, is we have a disconnect there. Well, that, that happened then. Well, can you experience Jesus today? Yeah. So you can experience the Holy Spirit today. Let's look at Acts chapter 3. We're going back to 3 and 4 now. Acts 2. And I'm going to read um, verse 3 out of the Holman first, and then we're going to go to the Amplified. And so here's the thing. Before we ever jump into this, The word tongues freaks people out. Okay. Maybe it's always been like that. Maybe it's not. I can't tell you, but it's been a creepy word in relation to spirituality for quite a while. Tongues. Hmm. Why? Well, there's two reasons. In my opinion, we don't want anybody else's tongue. Okay. By the way, Heather hates slobber. She likes dry kisses. Okay. So no tongues. Okay. No, we don't want anybody else's tongue. Two, we don't want anybody else to have the power or the authority of our tongue. No, no, no. So what do we want? We want control. We want control. Just control. If if and when, it doesn't matter, okay? (laughs) Think about the time. When we're talking about this in the scripture, think about the time and culture, okay? And and where this word is coming from and what it was then, okay? Because we're 2,000 years later, And so when you look at the word tongue, uh, it's from the Greek word glossa. I've been getting a lot into the Greek lately. It's from the Greek word glossa, which simply means language, glossary, language. So tongues means language. So let's let's receive it like language, okay? And so then verse 3 of the Holman says, and tongues, or language, and language like flames of fire that were divided, appeared to them, rested on each of them. It rests on each and this is what I want you to see. It was divided. Divided, this is not a bad thing. We seem to, We tend to see division as, as negative, but it's not. Divided here is like, there was a piece of pecan, there was, there was a pecan pie at Thanksgiving and everybody got a piece. I had two, okay? And so then that's what we're saying. This is like pecan pie on Thanksgiving. Everybody gets a piece. And languages like flames were divided, appeared to them and rested on them, okay? Now let's go to the Amplified. There appeared to them tongues or languages resembling fire, which were being distributed a little bit better word among them. And they rested on each of them as each person received the Holy spirit a little more clean there. Right. And they were all filled. That is diffused through their being who they are diffused through their being, not something to do who you are, be with the Holy spirit and began to speak in other languages. It says it right here in other tongues, different languages, as the spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately appropriately is probably a good word there. And so, so what you see is they, they received language as the Holy spirit gave them utterance. What's utterance? Utterance is a spoken word. It's a vocal sound. Okay. And so then you hear tongues and utterance and everybody's like, (whistles) not sure language to make a sound, right? language to make a sound. And so tongues only means language. It means language. There's no need to be afraid, to be timid, to be creeped out by that word anymore. Okay. It's the word, it's the word they had at the time. Okay. In that culture, it'd be like me saying cold stone today. I understand what the word cold stone means. It means I'm going to get some ice cream, but to somebody who has never been to cold stone would say, I would never lick a cold stone. My tongue would stick to it. I'd be stuck there forever until somebody brought me some hot water. You wouldn't literally lick a cold stone, but we do it on a monthly basis at our house. Okay. So that's where you're at. Shout out to Cold Stone down there on Kerchival, by the way. And so what you see at Pentecost is every nation was gathered. Every nation was gathered. They all heard the wonderful works of God in their language. It was all back. Everything that had been confused back from way back in Genesis 11 is now back. Everybody understands. Everybody understands because Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the curse of the judgment at Babel. So then we're getting close now. There were 120 people in the upper room at this time. This is where they gathered for Pentecost. Okay. So then what we see with these 120 is the baptism of the spirit. Wasn't just for the 12 disciples. It was for everyone. Every nation gathered. It was for everyone. Remember Acts two, I had you underline filled the whole room. It filled The whole room, it didn't go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. filled the whole room. This means everyone receives. So yes, you can receive this. How do you receive? By faith. You receive by faith. The same way you receive Jesus is the same way you receive the Holy Spirit. By faith. So yes, you can experience Pentecost. You can experience the Holy Spirit. Let's look back real quick right before Jesus ascends at Acts chapter 1. And we're verse four and five, okay? A couple things that this is huge for. You say, yeah, that's good, Dusty, but I'm really not sure that what you just said means I can receive. Here we go. While being together and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. What you see there is wait for the promise. Of which he said, you have heard me speak. Five, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered with and united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. Not long from now. Now, I'm using the Amplified here because it brings a lot more texture to it. But what I want you to see is in other translations, just says, wait for the promise. You're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit, okay? So what's Jesus say? Wait for the promise. Now, listen, they're ready to, they're ready to do, hey, gotta go, see you. peace and out. And he says, wait. No, 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 don't go yet. Wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. And then he tells them what the promise is. It's going to be my spirit. It's going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus makes it super clean. Wait. Super clear. Wait. Don't go anywhere until the promise comes. You should underline that. You should write down. You should screenshot that. If white still has four and five up on the bottom of the screen, wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. For you'll be baptized and empowered and united with the Holy spirit. That's yours. That's your promise. What's the promise? John baptizes water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy spirit. You're going to be baptized with the Holy spirit. Now let's look at Acts chapter two. Okay. And this is kind of the fulfillment of, uh, of today. Baptize, uh, Acts chapter two, the Holy spirit comes. Peter stands up. Peter preaches, preaches his face off. It's amazing. And after it gets done, some people respond by asking, hey, what are we going to do? Acts 2.41, you see the 3,000 saved, right? Acts 2.41. We want to go back to Acts 2.38 and 39. Acts 2, 38 and 39. And we're going to leave this up for a few minutes. Peter preaches. Holy Spirit comes. It's an amazing move of the Spirit of God. And some people go, what should we do? What should we do? well, what do we need to do? And here it is. Peter says it very simply. Peter said to them in verse 38, repent, repent, change your old way of thinking. Turn from your sinful ways. We all have sinful ways. Just be honest. We all have sinful ways. Accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah. And so accept and follow Jesus and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. Go into all the world. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Repent. Accept Jesus. Right? And so what you see Peter saying here is really what we are called to do in the Great Commission. It's the three baptisms. Repent. Accept Jesus. This is salvation. It's a free gift from the Father. No greater love than this than the man laid down his life for his friends. That life was given to you. By the father who sent his son. For God so loved the world. Repent, accept Jesus, salvation. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. This is water baptism, okay? Water baptism. This is how you affirm your faith. Your old life disappears. You come out of the water with a new life in the affirmation of who God's called you to be. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is spirit baptism. This is how you are empowered to walk in the fullness and the authority of who God's called you to be and the gifting that He has given you with the Holy Spirit. So then remember, with these three things, let's remember this. In John 16, 8 through 11, the Holy Spirit convicts us of three things. Remember what He convicts us of? Need need for a Savior, salvation, righteousness with God, Right? understanding and following through with water baptism so you can be brand new in right standing with God and you will have no judgment against you that 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 evil doesn't have a place in your life you can now walk in the fullness and the authority of God the Holy Spirit convicts you of the three baptisms which are how you to walk where you can actually walk in the fullness and the power of God it's amazing it's amazing so when you receive the Holy Spirit He is the gift. He is the gift. And so the answer to today's sermon is this. Who does the Holy Spirit make you to be? He makes you gifted. He makes you gifted. It's who he makes you to be. You're gifted. And so he's not one gift. That's the thing. We see language here and we just kind of cut it. We're like, okay, done with that language. We see language and language is great. And interpretation is great. Language is great. But that is one gift. Language is one gift and we tend to park on that one thing and we, and we make the one thing, the whole thing. And it's not, the one thing is just a piece. It's just a piece of the pie. The Holy spirit is not one of many. He is the, he is the gift. And so then language is great, but it's only one of many gifts that, that we are empowered to have when we receive the Holy spirit which we're talking about next week. Okay. And so the Holy spirit is a gift you're going to receive. This is the thing. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is what the scripture says. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, not a gift of the Holy Spirit. That probably looks better on the bottom of your screen. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, not a gift of the Holy Spirit. The complete, right? And so let's look at verse 39 really carefully. For the promise, this is Peter now. After he's told them what 30, we just, just we just dissected verse 38. Verse 39, for the promise. What is this? The same promise Jesus spoke of and told everybody to wait for you're going to receive. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, your children, for all who are far away, including the Gentiles, which is like this. Hey, that means everyone. That means everyone. As many as As the Lord calls to himself. What did you say? You, your children, those far away, everyone, as many as God calls. So then, did God choose you before the beginning of the earth? Yes. Did did God call you by name? Yes. Does he know you better than you know yourself? Yes. So the promise, the Holy Spirit is for you it's still for you and it's always for you by the way everyone every time somebody references um the promise standing on the promises walking in the promises the holy spirit's at the center of that by the way you can have all of the promise okay which is your how you want to read it or you can have the promise you can have the promise it's it's up to you it's receiving its faith so let's wrap up quick question quick question today, can you receive Jesus as the perfect sacrifice that died for your sin? Can you receive Jesus as the perfect sacrifice that died for your sin? It's a question. I'm assuming there are a lot of answers of yes. Okay. Now, how? You weren't there. You weren't alive back then. You weren't alive back then. I know how and you know how. But this is the argument against the Holy Spirit. Well, I wasn't at I wasn't at Pentecost. It doesn't matter. Pentecost is fulfilling the law. Pentecost means 50. Okay? It really means 50. And so, we think we can't receive him because we weren't there. And that's really fear-based. And it's a terrible excuse. It's a terrible excuse that that when you get to heaven, That excuse is not going to pass. Well, I know you said so, but I wasn't there. That's not going to pass. Because you weren't alive when it happened, if that were the case for all of us, we'd all be in a terrible spot and would have missed the greatest blessing if it had to be that way. It doesn't. You can experience salvation right now. You answer that question. Can you receive Jesus as a perfect sacrifice? Yes. Why? You can experience that right now, the atonement of your sins and restoration with the Father by faith by faith, by faith. So let me just ask you this. So if, if your take and your approach is, well, I wasn't alive back then. Let's look, let's fast forward. When the day of the final trumpet sounds, what if you're not alive then? What if you're not alive then? Are you going to be able to experience that? Yes. Why? Faith. Jesus. Jesus. You believe in Jesus. That's why. So then you'll experience then, in the future, what you believe in now. So then the Holy Spirit's for you. Scripture tells us that the dead at that day, even the dead in Christ are going to rise again. You can look at it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and the blast of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then all who are alive and remain on earth will simultaneously be caught up, raptured together with them and and the resurrected ones in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we always, always, always will be with the Lord. You always have God. God said, I will always be be with you until the ends of the earth is how he finishes the Great Commission. Always. God's always. God the Father, Jesus, Son, Holy Spirit, always. It's not a then, right? It's always. And so then, if you have the faith and belief in that, We shouldn't struggle with receiving God's Holy Spirit, which happened on the day of Pentecost, right? It's more than we weren't alive back then. It's really more than that. And so the truth is, you can experience the Holy Spirit right now, just like you can experience Jesus right now, just like you can experience God right now, because they are together. They defer to each other. And if I'm being real truthful, most of us just don't want to. You don't want to because you're not sure what will happen. And this is where you show God that you really trust Him. This is where you show God that you really trust Him. because you know that God is, not, God is not just a God of right now. God's not just a God of, you know what we read in First Thessalonians when the Rapture comes and all that happens. God is not just a God of, of 2,000 years ago. God just a God of yesterday, today and tomorrow. That means God's greater than back then. God's greater than back then. So my final question for you today is this, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? It happens by faith. It happens by faith. Most pastors would really prefer to do this in person, but my faith, but where my faith is, is I believe I can have a, it can happen right now, through a lens, through a screen, on your device, wherever you're watching from, through your TV. And so, as I ask that question, have you received the Holy Spirit? Some of you might say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in me. When I prayed the prayer of salvation, I welcomed the Holy Spirit. He made his home in my heart. And to you, I'd say, that's correct. That's correct. Have you fully received him? Have you fully received him? How much of your heart does he have? Is it still 99 you want him? And you lean on that 1% when you really need it. Have you fully received him? This would be like um, having your mother-in-law. God bless our mother-in-laws, by the way. I love my mother-in-law, and I welcome my mother-in-law every time she comes, and this is men or women, this is not a man thing. This is, is, if you have a mother-in-law, mother in law is coming to stay with you. She's not gonna come visit, she's gonna come and live with you. Do you ever get to the point where you fully receive her? It's a tough question the church answer, that we can all go, of course we would. And some of you have amazing relationships with your mother-in-law. And if you say that, I'm going to have to call you on it. Because the reality is when somebody else comes to live in your house, it's your house. You can't walk around the house in your undies anymore like you did before she came to live with you or or take You can't. There's certain parts of your life that will disappear when somebody comes to stay with you it's not a visit, it's a stay. It's the same question. The Holy Spirit lives in your house. Have you fully received him? I hope that the the past few weeks have helped, have helped. And if you haven't fully received the Holy Spirit, what I just asked you, have you received? And if you're treating them like a stranger in your house or somebody that you see, you know, on Easter or Christmas and Thanksgiving or somebody you see once a month or once a week, it's very different when they come to live in your house. It's very different and it, it takes fully receiving. And so if you haven't fully received the Holy Spirit, the invitation today is for you and it's very simple. This happens with your faith. It happens with your faith. And so I don't want you to be afraid or creeped out by the Holy spirit, by what you've heard, by how you've seen other people act by, you know, whatever, what the generation that you grew up in. Okay. I don't want you to partially receive due to doubt or, um, well, well, there's, I'm just a little bit scared. There is no fear in God, right? God's not the author of fear power, love, sound mind, right? The Holy Spirit's all through that, by the way. And so if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's living in your house right now. Will you receive him or are you gonna keep him at an arm's distance? Are you gonna keep your 99, the one? Because the reality is, is um, you don't get more of him, he gets more of you. And so if you're praying to receive the Holy Spirit today, it's it's super simple. And you're just gonna tell him this, just tell him, you don't have to go into an attitude of prayer. If you don't want to, if you wanna bow your head, great. You're going to tell them this. I'm going to put it on the screen. Holy Spirit, I receive you. I fully receive you. I want you to live in me. I want you to live through me. I want you to speak to me, to empower me, to give me confidence in you. I'm sorry for the negative thoughts I've had about you, but I'm thankful that you've been sent to me. As my counselor, comforter, teacher, witness, advocate, guide, and the revealer of truth. Father God, thank you for giving the gift of the Holy Spirit to me. Thank you for writing your law on my heart. Thank you for allowing me to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today... You're gifted. You're gifted, empowered to walk in the fullness and the authority of who God's called you to be. It's that third thing that the Holy Spirit convicts us of, that you have authority. There will be no judgment from any evil against you. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.